Tonight we turn in God's Word to Revelation chapter 3 as we come to the final letter in the letters to the seven churches. We saw that that number means, uh, that number is symbolic of completeness. It is a speaking to the church, the churches in Asia Minor at time, but also the church throughout the ages, this church, the church at Laodicea. We've seen in these letters are realities that are seen in the church throughout the ages. Some churches are stained by sexual immorality and scandal. Some are stigmatized by outsiders. Some care little for doctrinal purity and compromise to find acceptance with the world. Some have little compassion or love for imperfect people. Others have... Reputation of being alive, but in reality are dead. Some are self-absorbed and care only for themselves and find themselves, believe themselves to be rich and in need of nothing. That is what we find tonight in the church at Laodicea. One of those stanzas we didn't sing from number uh, from the hymn we just sang was uh, this: these words, save the church, her, save her love from growing cold, make her watchman strong and bold, fence her round thy peaceful fold. We beseech thee, hear us. Our prayer is that God would keep us from, from growing cold toward him, that we would think that we don't need him, that we have no uh, uh, need of him. What we see here tonight is Jesus' words to this church that uh, they do need him that they are uh, in deep trouble without him. And as as we've looked at these letters and as we look at this final letter tonight, we ask ourselves, what does the church really need? The church needs, as it's summarized here in these opening chapters of the book of the Revelation, they need to hear Jesus' voice. He is the king, the head of the church who walks amongst the lampstands. Dennis Johnson in his commentary says this about Jesus' voice. He says, His voice comforts our weak and wounded hearts, diagnoses our diseases, shatters our dreams of ease here and now, and calls us forward to the consummation of his victory in the new Jerusalem. Just a, a, a wonderful way of keeping us focused, looking forward. It is easy to become bogged down, to, be, to become despairing in our present circumstances, but we need to keep hearing his voice as he calls us forward to the consummation of his victory uh, in the New Jerusalem. Churches are pictured as lampstands, that is, they are to be a light, a witness to the world. And we see that again in this final letter as Jesus speaks to the church at Laodicea. Starting in verse 14 of Revelation 3, this is the word of God. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. And so because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. 
Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Grass withers, the flowers fade. The word of our God stands forever and is our life and our direction. People of God, Jesus' words to the church focus him as the faith, upon him as the faithful witness. That's how he identifies himself as he opens this letter. The church at Laodicea thought it had a right understanding of its circumstance and its situation, and Jesus says, but I tell you, I come to you to reveal to you the faithful and true witness. I am the amen, the so shall it be, the one who sees, the one who determines reality that is before us and declares it so that we might understand. Often the greeting that we have, uh, God's greeting is salutation at the outset of worship services from Revelation chapter 1. We heard it tonight. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. He is the faithful witness. He says as he comes to this church in Laodicea, I know what is true of you. I see rightly. The Laodiceans, the Laodicean church's true situation was not as it seemed. They needed to hear the truth from the one who is the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, as he defines or as he describes himself, the beginning of God's creation, the one who spoke and it was, and the one who comes again to declare the consummation of all things. He is the beginning of God's creation and the one who comes to put that final exclamation point on God's redemptive plan. This church should not have been so confident that they had all that they needed in themselves because they were looking on the surface. They were looking for, uh, they were counting the coins as it were. They were counting the material worth that they had and not considering the weakness of their witness, which pointed to the shallowness of their faith. It is in Christ alone that we have the amen, the seal of salvation, that we have the eternal blessing from God. As Jesus speaks to the church in Laodicea, he speaks to the church through space and time, And he declares that he is the faithful and true witness. And his testimony or evaluation of us is the only testimony that can be trusted. And we are to testify to that fact. We are to submit to that fact. We are to understand that fact and to hear what Jesus says to his people. All, in fact, are to testify to who he is, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. All history finds its center point in him. We've just turned our calendars, and we refer to, in our circles, that we now live in the year of our Lord, 2023, Anno Domine, a Domine, 
the year of our Lord. Before Christ came, it was identified as B.C. before Christ. Because all of history finds its center point in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we have secularists saying today, we're going to change it to B.C.E. and C.E. before common era and common era. The question is this, but why do you choose that point? Why that point in history Why is that the place where you measure all of time with your BCE and your CE? Because it is the most significant event in all of human history where God the Son took on flesh to redeem sinful humanity that there might be a day when all death will be destroyed and believers in him will live forever. When Jesus Christ appeared as that true and faithful witness, he declared that all those who look to him in faith would not die. The one who believes in him would not come into judgment, for he had crossed over from death to life, he says in John 5, verse 24. But he says, apart from me, you have no life. Apart from me, you have only that which, as we often see the image, sand through the fingers. All that is accumulated, all that is pulled to oneself of material goods is not that which is life. It slips through the fingers. Jesus came and declared himself or identified himself as the one who was the Son of God, the one who witnessed of the Father. There was some disagreement. You come witnessing to yourself. We know that you must have two witnesses. That's what the Old Testament says, in God, and Jesus says, I do. My Father is the other witness. John chapter 5. He says, I do not witness to myself. My Father witnesses to me, and John the Baptist witnesses to me. And he's speaking of the list of witnesses, and he identifies that indeed he has that background. He comes as the true Israel. We see as the scripture unfolds, serves as a faithful witness about the Lord. He's called out of Egypt, Matthew says in his gospel, Matthew chapter 2. He's the son of God, called out of bondage, passing through the waters, Matthew chapter 3, tested in the wilderness, Matthew chapter 4, and shown to be without sin, the one whom, in whom the Father says, I delight in him. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Hear him. Well, the church is to be a witness to that. The hope of the world is the Christ of God, the Messiah. This one who is the Amen, the so shall it be, the faithful and true witness, the beginning and the end. That is to be our testimony at all times, in suffering and in times of prosperity. The church in Laodicea was a picture of the church which had no witness, for she thought her life was found elsewhere. She had no faithful witness. Affluence was her great enemy. She thought her beginning and end was in her pockets or in, on the shelves in her home. When Jesus saw the church, this is what he declared, verse 15, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, 
I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. The background, again, of the city helps us understand the teaching uh, to the church of Jesus' words to the church. Our environment often has more influence upon us than we recognize. The city of Laodicea was very wealthy. It had experienced an earthquake in A.D. 60, from which it recovered of its, of, its, um, of its own, on its own. It did not ask for money, as Philadelphia had from the Roman Empire, naming places after the, the Caesar so that he might receive glory. Laodicea built, rebuilt itself with the help of its wealthy citizens, the center of banking and commerce, And it rebuilt itself more glamorous than before with the construction of a stadium, a gymnasium, heated and covered walkways, baths, and massive new city gates and towers. It had a flourishing textile industry and a medical school, which was known for the development of eye salve and other pharmaceuticals. It was very proud, a very self-sufficient city, the most prominent city in the Lycus River Valley. Because of this prosperity, it was proud and self-secure. Reminds me of some descriptions that we think of. The world's only superpower. We're so wealthy. The economy is so good. The sky's the limit. And the Lord warns that such pursuits do not show that there is life. What's very interesting about this city is that it lacked something very basic. It thought it lacked nothing, according to verse uh, 17, but what it lacked was water. A very basic uh, necessity of life. It lacked drinkable water. And Jesus identified that as he spoke to This church. In nearby Colossa, there was a cold, fresh supply of water coming down from the mountains into the city of Colossa. Nearby Heropolis, there was hot springs known for the healing properties that the waters contained. People would come far and wide to bathe there. Well, these two sources, they mixed and they uh, they flowed past Laodicea. What you got was a mineral-filled, lukewarm, useless water supply. Had the appearance of prosperity. The outward, they could talk about their bank books and their uh, conquests and all of their assets, their retirement accounts and all of the rest, but they had nothing when it came to the basics, water. And the city lived in denial of its need. The church of Laodicea had been infected by this attitude of self-sufficiency. It lacked humility and faith for life. Jesus said, you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Not realizing that you have great need. He used these features of the city to proclaim his message to the church there. They were lukewarm. They did not proclaim the gospel or refreshment in its cool quality. 
refreshment for weary souls, nor did they proclaim it for healing of those who were spiritually hurting. The medicinal properties of the hot mineral water. They did not witness about him, nor did they believe they had need of him. They were prosperous and well-connected in the world, but not rich towards God. What did Jesus say about that earlier in the Gospels? Gospel according to Luke, we read in Luke 12, he warns about those who believe themselves to be rich because they have many barns and much possessions. He said this, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. He told the parable of that rich man who built barns, said, I have all that I need. I am satisfied. Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared. Whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Jesus says, you are not rich towards me. You do not speak of me. You speak only of all that you have. I, me, my, first person pronoun. Christ spoke of the danger that this church was in. The church was not rich. It was in danger of losing everything. And he lovingly was rebuking this church. He did not want them to think that material prosperity The pursuit of the things of this world was the way to lasting life. What they needed was something money could not buy. Just as they would have spit out that lukewarm water of the Lycus River as it went by Laodicea if it had been in their mouths, Jesus said, I am going to spit you out of my mouth. If you do not hear my voice and respond in humble faith, But we can be so thankful that this is not Jesus' last words, those words of verse 16 about spitting them out of his mouth. In grace and mercy, told of the path to be healed of backsliding, he said in verse 18, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. He said, this is what I see. He was calling out in this marketplace in this wealthy city to identify what they really looked like. And he said, come and buy from me, for I alone can make you rich. It reminds me of God's word in Proverbs. We were there this morning. Proverbs chapter 1 speaks of uh, how the Lord uh, comes. He speaks of wisdom. Then it speaks also of how if persons do not listen, they will face destruction. Proverbs 1 verse 20, wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. Wisdom is there for us to take in hand if we but listen. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks, saying, How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. 
Spirit of God testifies of the free gift of salvation that God sets before us. The only cost, writes one commentator, the only cost to ourselves is the loss of our sin and pride. The riches from God cannot be purchased with money. What is needed is a thirst for the water of life, as Jesus described it to that woman at the well in John chapter 4. The source is not in this world, but from God. The summary of that call is given to us in Isaiah 55, verse 1. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. And then at the end of the book of the Revelation, chapter 22, verse 17, let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take of the water of life without price. We could understand Christ's words here in verse 18 in this way. Come and receive riches, covering and sight from me without price. Tell others what you have received. Speak refreshingly of the life to be found in me. Speak in a comforting way to those who are hurting, who are despairing of the life that is to be found in me. The eyes of the Laodicean church were infected and they could not see. The eye salve of Laodicea, the products of this world, could not help them to see. They needed Jesus to open their eyes. And then they were to testify to his power. We can think of that account in John chapter 9 where the man who was born blind is cured of his blindness and the Pharisees come and they say, who healed you? And he said, the Christ. This teacher, this prophet. They said, no, that couldn't possibly be. He did this on the Sabbath. That day is not to be worked upon, and yet Jesus was saying, it is the day of release. It is the day when we are reminded of how we are delivered by God as we rest in him. And he testified when they asked him, "Who? Or what do you have to say for yourself? And he said this, and this is the testimony of the believer. This I know, once I was blind, but now Christ has enabled me to see. That's our testimony. Humble, clear, as we look to Christ and point others to him. The people of Laodicea were satisfied with the stylish coverings they could buy in the Laodicean textile market. They were known, Laodicea was known for its black uh, wool, and they liked all the latest fashions, and they saw themselves quite high in status as they looked in whatever resemblance of a mirror they had back then and thought, I have need of nothing. I've got new clothes. I'm provided for. I've done this myself from the labor of my own hands. What they needed was the covering only Christ could give them. They believed they were rich because they had Money, they had gold, but all the money in the world could not buy salvation.
they needed to be tested. That they might receive from God gold refined by fire. What is that? It is a true faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that recognizes that we are nothing in ourselves, but in him we are rich. And inheritors of everlasting life. Jesus' word to the church and to us is, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? And he says it to a church which seemingly has nothing that it needs because affluence, and, and this is the application, affluence is sometimes the, uh, the thing that causes us to be most deaf to our need, to the voice of Christ, most resistant to any call of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he says, come to me, receive from me what you cannot buy, what you cannot work yourself. Affluence has a way of deafening a person to his voice. But in Laodicea, to the church, he still says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Therein is richness. Fellowship with Christ. Life with Christ. That he would come in. We are needy. Let us review. God must open our eyes so we can see to open the door. We must open up to Christ, for without him we are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. We have nothing by which to see the way into heaven. God must cover us with the robes of Christ's righteousness so that we might not be unafraid to open the door. Only his righteousness covers our shame and our guilt. Only in him are we those who can enter into that wedding banquet that is to come. And he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Receive from me that which my father bestows on those who love him. And God must test us and remove the dross of sin from our lives that we might have a crown of faith, which is the richness of God for eternal life. One day we'll have a perfect ear for Christ and we will see him as the treasure that he is. But there are so many things and affluence is one of the greatest things that keeps us from hearing his voice. When times of testing come, will we say, oh, the Lord would never take away that material blessing from me, would he? He knows that's my only joy. We need to think of what we're saying. We must look to Christ as our only joy, our greatest delight, our beginning and our end. One day, nothing, no door will separate us from our loving Lord. We will fellowship with him and glory in the light of his presence. But we come into him only as we are properly clothed, only as we have eyes of faith, only as we have our faith, our riches in him. He says, the one who conquers, the one who has conquering faith, verse 21, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. 
I thought of that uh, this week as I was thinking about Stephen, who was martyred for his faith as he was being stoned. What did he see? He saw Jesus not sitting down, but standing. Now we see those two images in the scriptures. Sitting, Jesus is sitting because he has completed all that is necessary, and he has now received, he has been coronated, he is king, he is reigning. But in this instance with Stephen, as he is in need, the son is standing to receive him. What a marvelous and loving Lord we have who stands to receive those whom he has redeemed with his own precious blood. The, one of, or the words of the hymn came to my mind too as we close this evening. And in this life, as we ask God to increase our love for him, then also our love for the things of this world must decrease. Oh, we, we have delight in them, but they are not our life. Words of that hymn, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Jesus says to his church, if you are to be truly rich, then you are to have eyes for me. If you are to be truly rich, you are to be clothed by my righteousness. If you are to be truly rich, then your greatest treasure will be me. Well, may it be so for us as we step into this new year. Turn to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we think upon these letters, all of this all of these, uh, this correspondence to us, we ask, O oh Lord, that your Spirit would work in us, that we would be those who have an ear to hear what the Spirit says to the churches. May we not be self-absorbed. May we not be scandalized by sin. May we not be living on reputation apart from a reality. But Lord, may we be those who find our life, our light, our guide in you. We thank you for your love, for your faithfulness. Cover us, give us eyes to see, and make us rich in Christ, inheritors of everlasting life. We ask in his name. Amen.